This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the W12 podcast. We are on episode six of the season. Thanks for listening. Um, I'm Ben Platt. Um, we a bit of a bumper episode today. Uh, we've got all the big guns on today. Uh, we've got Ollie back from up the R's. How are you, Ollie? Good, mate. You? You've been under the weather this week, I hear. Yes, yeah, makes a change for it being Brad, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> does. You, you feeling good, though? <clears throat> yeah, fantastic. Good, good. Um, Duncan McCready, how are you, mate? Yeah, all good. Having good. a good day. I'm looking forward to tonight. So should How's be a really world? good episode. The post world, world, um, okay. Well, I've had a good day because I've been on strike today. So have you? Are <laughs> you so happy about that? As well, all the people well, haven't got their post. Well, not everywhere I know. I'll have a busy day tomorrow to make up for it. But I need I need a pay rise. As simple as that. <laughs> Jack Supple, back on. How are you? Two weeks in a row. Yeah, very well. Yeah, cheers for having us back on. And uh, fantastic week we got to talk about. Good, good. And we're also joined by Leon Balligan, QPR's centre half. How are you, Leon? You good? I'm good, thank you. And yourself? Very good. I'm so, I can see you bought yourself a new TV there. <laughs> uh, it's not new, actually. It's just the one I brought down with me from Glasgow. <laughs> um, yeah, I've just seen it myself, had to laugh a little bit. <laughs> Look, it looks, looks pretty big. Um, how, you good, though? How are you? Say again. How are you? You good? I'm good, yeah. Thank you. Settling well. What's your day been? You've been training today? You've been with the lads today at all? Uh, yes, we trained in the morning, just uh, just normal time. Um, and then just normal things. Went to get a haircut. Um, still yeah. trying to figure out bits and buts, you know, around living here, um, sorting the apartment out pretty much. That's why the TV is still there. It's <laughs> somebody to hang it up for me, but I'm still waiting for like a TV, what you call them, like a uh, brisket or something. So, oh, yeah, a black bracket, yeah. Like, yeah, or bracket, exactly. Brisket. I don't know how I came up with that one. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to that, I'm German, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Are you weren't involved in the last game. Um, is everything all right? Are you just breasted? Are you, was carrying a niggle or is it... No, that, that was all good. I mean, obviously, um, I joined the team quite late. And because of my own situation, I actually didn't have a pre-season. Um, and I think it was not the plan for me to come into those very, very busy uh, weeks um, but I had to step up because we were just a bit uh, short on, on that position. Um, and obviously, without having a preseason played two weeks with like 
two games within three days or four days, which is always very, very demanding. Um, and I think the plan was for me never to play all three games that week. And I think the manager just thought that's a good, that's a good moment to give me a bit of a rest, thinking in the long term. Um, that's why it's, it's all good. I've been training all week now. Um, I obviously did feel a bit of uh, soreness here and there in those games you might have seen, but it's just, yeah, I'm not going to be, I don't want to be disrespectful, but it is kind of going through a bit of a preseason, no, not anymore, but definitely the first three, four weeks have been. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm ready to go again. I'm not surprised you're feeling a few little niggles if you, where you've been throwing yourself into challenges and blocks. <laughs> uh, it's, not, it's not even from that, to be honest. That you just get used to over, I don't know how many years now, but um, it's more like a bit of soreness and stuff. But yeah, I mean, you have to you have to live through it sometimes and work through it. And I'm actually quite happy that I went through without any injuries, any major issues, like just nothing that a good old Rob could not solve, you know, so... <laughs> What's your early assessment of of of, your, of QPR life at the moment? What, is it five games? What, what, what's your own assessment? Um, I think we have a very very good, very young but very talented team. Um, I think we have an incredible manager who is still trying to um, get his ID into into the players, into the club, his philosophy. I think you can see the first signs of it being successful but it's early in the season so there's still loads of work to do um but so far it's been very very positive um it's not a moment i think to be extremely excited it's, it's like i mean you want to look back at the last few games and say oh that's been quite successful but um there's no time to really pat yourself on the back for that because as i just said the season is going to be very very long and we have to replicate that over and over and over again if we want to be really successful, but I think it's a bit of a um, mentality that he that, that Mick tries to bring into the into the team, and a bit of or more of a belief actually in, in yourself, in yourself as a group, in yourself individually. And so far, I think that's been going very well. When you obviously you signed quite late on in the window, I just and obviously there were lots of rumours that you that, you know like there are um, quite early on in the window. Was it always? Was there a reason it was so late? Was it always the plans during QPR or were there other offers or how did the summer sort of pan out? Um, I think it was pretty much um, a, a matter of can we agree on a deal actually that is just um, yeah good for both sides. So we had contact early on when, when the news first broke that I'm not going to stay at Rangers. Um, and then we went through a bit of a quiet spell. Always have been in touch. Some, do you hear that actually in the background with me? Like my email's coming through. I need, to, <laughs> I need to see how I can turn that off actually, but I have no clue how that so works. As long as it's not your agent. No, 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 no. that's okay. <laughs> He's packing. <laughs> Let me just, I, don't, I wouldn't even know how to turn the notifications off here. Well, we have to go through it somehow, sorry. So yeah, um, as I said, we've been, we've been in touch early on. Um, in the transfer window then was a bit quiet. We've always stayed in touch, sometimes more, sometimes less. There have been other clubs inquiring from overseas, um, from the championship, other teams I've, I've talked to. Um, but I'm actually quite happy that it worked out in the end. Um, because when I first heard of QPR, especially because of Mick, that was something that definitely um, intrigued me because I had the privilege of working with him before. And I know how he would like to play, what his philosophy is, and just what he gives you, just in terms of man management, that which I think is incredible. He does an incredible job on that. And um, yeah, I mean, I can be open. Yeah, I, I have spoken to to Wigan, um, which was probably something that went into uh, more of an advanced stage. Anything else was like clubs that showed interest, but. It was like, you know how it goes in transfer market. So Wigan would have been one that could have gone to something eventually, but yeah, QPR really went for me in the end. And um, I'm really, really happy to be here. Apart from, from always wanting to live in London because I have family down here and loads of friends. Um, just the project is very, very interesting for me. 
Have you been surprised with the level of depth at centre back? Um, we were talking earlier, and it feels like we've got a real, real strong four centre backs now. Have you have you sensed that since you've come in? Yes, I mean I knew it before. Um, yeah. Because ever since I knew that QPR is having at least um, an eye on me or looking at me, I looked into the situation, I looked at the players, and then thinking about what um, the club wants to achieve in the, in the long term, probably you need to have that. Especially if you look at the championship, you know, you can you have such an intense league. It's 46 games plus a few in, in the cup or in the cups. So that's. Um, you need to be prepared for that. So we have, I think we're five. If you think that sometimes we, we did play a back three in the last few games, not to start with, but we changed to a back three. If, if you start with a back three, actually one of these games, um, then five seems not at as much anymore. So it's, it's good for just for depth, but also just to keep the intensity and the competition high, because that's, that's what's going to keep us on our toes and to make sure that everybody's playing and performing at their limit. I really want to ask you, since you've been in the club, who, who has impressed you the most, you know, in training, in the games? Was there anyone that really stands out? Uh, they're they're going to love if I mention their names, if they listen to this, actually. Um, <laughs> I, I really like uh, Chrissy Willock and Ilias Chair. They're really, really good on the ball. I said it to Chris it's a few weeks ago now. And in training, he done an unbelievable chop. I've never even seen it coming. I managed to recover, which then, on the other hand, surprised him. He was like, how did you even get there again? Um, <laughs> but I was like, well, I was like, yeah, he's, he's special. And I think you can see it in the game. Same goes for Illy. Um, but there's a few. Um, I think Tim, who's on loan from Aston Villa, I think he's got really, really great potential. I think for the first time since he played, I mean, he's it's still young uh, or early on in the season and he hasn't played a crazy amount of games for the club yet. But you can see that there's something special about him. And I think probably with the performance against Reading, um, he probably has set the standard for himself. You know, that should be the type of level he should be reaching in his performances. And if he can do that for us uh, on a consistent level, I think we're going to have a lot of joy uh, with him. Um, Kenneth Powell, I think, is re doing really well. Both of our fullbacks, actually. Um, who else? Had some. There's there's a lot of really good players in our team. Uh, Doza is, I think, really really good. Fieldy does a really good job. I think he's growing with each game that he's playing. Um, sorry, I have to fight the fly. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's, it's it's quite a few impressive players actually in that squad. Can't lie. Um, even amongst the centre halves, Jake, left foot the for me are always kind of special. They always have something special about them or seem to have something special about them. Rob Dickey is really good. I like Jimmy Dunn. He's got like a great heart, which you can see is a very honest, honest character. I could probably go through the whole team, which tells you about the depth that we have in quality, you know? And that's why I said, I think the project is really, really interesting and there's loads of potential here. Leon, obviously fans love you here. You've come in and done an amazing job and I don't know if you heard the other day, Ali McCoy said that he was surprised that <clears throat> Rangers let you go. And every time I put a tweet out and, and talk about how great you are, I get about a thousand Rangers fans saying the exact <laughs> same as him. Um, obviously, they were really surprised that you that you didn't uh, didn't stay. Are you, were you surprised yourself? Uh, yeah, it was a bit of an interesting one um, because pretty much the whole time leading into the end of my contract, the sports director pretty much said that we're gonna like figure out a new deal. And I was told so until almost, uh, or pretty much the last day of my contract, where he then turned around and said, look, the manager does not want to keep you. So I could kind of say I was surprised because I thought I had done enough to justify um, to get another year. Um, but then again, when I actually got the news that I'm definitely not going to get another deal, it hit me because um, it's, it's funny, just in hindsight, if I look at the last interview I actually gave for the club as a Rangers player after the Scottish Cup final, where I was asked about my situation as well, it almost sounds like a little goodbye there. 
which I never thought about in at that stage. But obviously, we're talking about maybe a period of one or two months where we've been in talks and what's going to happen. And yeah, we're going to figure something out. We're going to figure something out. So you're always thinking, I'm quite optimistic. And I'm thinking, there's no way that I'm not going to, going to stay. Um, and then when, when they actually did tell me, it was, it was hard to take, I can't lie. Because um, just as the, as the fans are so supportive of me, I took a real liking, if not loving in them. I, I said it in that interview. I love that club to bits because that probably was the best, or not probably, it was the best time of my career so far, looking at everything. Um, so yeah, that was pretty much the, the Rangers situation and, and why, why I didn't stay. It's, it was not so much a matter of me going and saying, look, I'm done here. It was, yeah, it was a decision made by, by the manager in the end and I had to accept it and move on. So now I'm still a ranger, just up south. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you come from Scotland to England. Is there a big difference between the, the, the gap in terms of football, being a defender in Scotland and compared to the English football? Um, I think the level in terms of the physicality, which is probably something that people point out as, well, as one of the first things, that is pretty much even. Um, some, some, some games actually felt that it's even rougher, but that could have also had to do with some of the decisions made by the refs. Um, <laughs> no offense, but um, yeah, I think just in, in, if you look at the depth of teams in terms of their quality, and I don't mean to badmouth the Scottish league here, but I think you can see that there's a, definitely there's a difference in, in the quality of the teams overall, uh, which makes it more challenging, especially if you look at the, uh fact that you play 46 games you know and they come thick and fast and then again if you play for for one of the big clubs up in um up in scotland most of the teams just sit in whereas in the championship it's quite open um so yeah it's it's definitely a, a difference you can feel so far um i don't know if that has to do with my with my fitness levels that i came into uh, but i don't think so no, honestly i think you have, to, you have to pay respect to both leagues. And I think the championship is a very renowned league. It's an accomplished league. It's a very well-respected league, uh, very enjoyable, but it's, it's, it's probably one of the toughest, toughest leagues if you, if you look at the schedule and just yeah, everything that comes with it. Does it compare much to German football? So, because obviously you've played over there. Mm -hmm. um, what would you say the comparison is in terms of like German football? Would you say it's harder or, or, or just as... My first impression, actually, when I came down to Brighton, when I came to the Premier League in 2018, and then furthermore, I just felt the, yeah, again, the depth of teams that have a really high tactical level in Germany um, it was probably higher, I thought, the tactical level. Physically, there's loads of running involved. I know that some of the players that I do meet over here that have been in Germany or that have played with players from Germany, they always, oh, my God. You're running so much, you're running so much. Um, I do feel like the Bundesliga, for example, gets underrated a bit sometimes over here. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to say. Like, I think the level in the Bundesliga is quite high. Um, it's demanding physically, but not on a level as the championship, for example. And then obviously, if you compare it to the Premier League, um, the the level of players that the Premier League has, I think that's there's no discussion about it that this is the best league in the world. Um, but as, as I said, I think it's coming over here as well now, by the way, like that tactical element that I was missing a bit maybe four years ago where I was a bit surprised that comes in more and more and more and more. So that gap is actually closing in the Premier League. It is closed anyway already, but even in the championship, you can see there's not, obviously you have a lot of direct play, um, which is probably the main difference to Germany. because I said, it can be quite tactical without actually lacking intensity. Um, but you don't play 46 game, games, you play only 34. So that's a huge difference. <laughs> Leon, I just wanted to uh, touch back a bit on, on the Rangers stint. Obviously you just said that it ranked as one of your most fondest parts of your career. Um, I just wanted to ask, what differences have you noted between Mick Bill, the assistant manager, to Mick Bill, the gaffer or the manager? Um, 
not too much to be fair. Um, obviously, he's now the the gaffer. So, I think when he was an assistant, sometimes he was a bit more in the background than now because obviously, as if you're if you're if you're the manager, you have to take loads of responsibility. Which I'm not saying he did not in at Rangers back then. But obviously, if, if he's assisting or assistant manager, then um, sometimes he's a bit more in the background, more obser observant, um, even though he was quite um, hands-on there already. Like he, he was leading quite a few sessions back then, uh, also tactical meetings. Um, so that's why I'm saying it's not too much of a new thing. But obviously, I think the main difference probably will be for him just having more responsibility now. Um, but I think the way I got to know him, or the way I know him is that he's probably embracing it uh, to take on or to take to take all that responsibility and just make sure that he's the best version of himself. That's what he demands from his players. And I think that's probably what he's demanding from himself the most. That's great to hear. And I mean, since you joined QPR, you know, we're unbeaten when you've started. We won three and drawn one, kept three clean sheets. And they were our first clean sheets of the season. So from a personal point of view, what do you feel like you've brought to the team on and off the pitch, maybe? Uh, that's early for me to say, because obviously I joined quite late. <clears throat> um, I can only tell what I'm trying to bring. So um, for me, going back to Rangers, there at or my time at Rangers actually is something that I'm extremely grateful for because it brought out something, a characteristic, a characteristic in me as a player that I wasn't aware of having like that. It's just that winning mentality. And um, yeah, just going in there, like going in to win all the time. You, you tell yourself that before, but if you haven't actually been in, in an environment like that, I don't think there's too many that actually have it. That's why you don't see a lot of elite players, you know? I mean, obviously we all know the big names, but they're the top, what, 1%, or how, how, however much. Um, and I think that mentality, that, that pressure of having to win every game is something that I really embraced. And I'm trying just to make sure the players in at Cupiano, that they demand enough from themselves, that they're not being complacent, that they're not satisfied with where they're at now. I mentioned early on in, in, uh, when we opened that it's not about patting our, our each other on the back now but it's about patting each other on the back after the season. So after every game, we need to look at the, the, the things that we can improve. Have I been the best version of myself? Am I, am I performing at my maximum, at my <clears throat> highest level? If not, what can I do to get there and get this type of mentality in that every session counts, every win in training counts, every, for me as a defender, every tackle counts, every block shot for the strikers, make sure I'm putting the goals away and, and the unopposed exercising all these type of things. And then another thing that I always try to, to be, I mean, we have Albert uh, Adoma, who's called Angs. I think I'm kind of a second uncle, um, but I've always liked to do that just to talk to players. I said, there's loads of young players here and I try to give them advice, give them my experience. They don't always want to hear it, but I'm always trying to make sure that I give them some sort of wisdom, if you like to call it, sort of experience, pass it on to them sometimes maybe be a bit of the bad cop, uh, bad cop, bad cop. Um, but just because I, I see there's loads of players with great potential and it would be such a shame if this would go to waste. So, um, yeah, that's really what I'm trying, trying to, trying to give like a bit more of a winning mentality, not being like demand more from yourself, you know, okay, you're a good player, you're a good one v one player, but how many times can you actually execute first in the game? Like, does it just look nice or are you effective? Um, all these these type of things. And I'll try to be some sort of positive character in and around the team, some sort of, um, I'm not the most vocal off the pitch. Um, on the pitch, I try to do that, take some sort of leadership um, and try to give the lads some sort of composure and something to lean on when there's times that are more challenging because I think the reality of it is that I've probably experienced a bit more at least than most of the young lads. And it's natural then for me to take on more responsibility and make sure that right, they worry about their jobs and I maybe take some 
some of their weight off their shoulders. Obviously, you talk about experience there. You um, featured for Nigeria at obviously the African Cup of Nations and in the World Cup in Russia. How did like those tournaments compare and like what was this kind of step up in like footballing ability at an international tournament? Um, for the World Cup, I can't lie. Even looking back at it now, it's still just, not just, but it feels like <clears throat> unreal kind of. Just having been there, if I look back at it, it's actually, it's crazy. I mean, it wasn't too successful. We, we think, I think we should have made it to the, um, we should have made it out of the group stage. Um, that defeat against Argentina last minute was really painful in the World Cup. Yeah. Um, but to play on that stage is unbelievable. It's just wow. And yet, or at the same time, if I think back at it, it was just three games of football, kind of, you know? Yeah. And I think these moments, sometimes you only realize a little bit later how big they actually were, what it means if you hear players, when, when you tell them, yeah, in the World Cup 2018, when I played against, I don't know, Croatia or whatever, and then boys go like, you played in the World Cup? And then I'm like, right, that's actually quite a big thing. <laughs> it's not really trying to sound big time or anything. It's just, you're so focused. You, you, know, you try to get a result and you try to win in advance and, then after that, yeah, you, you process everything, you go into your holidays and come back and it's back straight back into football again. Back at the time, I had like a two-week break, I think, and went straight into Brighton. I had to organize my move from Germany over, over to Brighton. So you don't really get too much time sometimes in football. And same, same with the AFCON. Obviously, the passion in Africa for football is unbelievable. And um, to come home with a bronze medal was massive um at the same time it was not good enough because <laughs> nigerian nigerian supports are very 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 demanding so i think they were they they take pride but since there was a team that has won it in 2013 last you always get compared to the to the players before you um but again it's it's another level of experience that you just gain as a player yeah. um on a different stage in a different environment um, different football environment with loads of challenges that make you stronger um, can be frustrating at times as well but you definitely learn loads from that um, and I try to take that into my game into my day-to-day <clears throat> -day, um, routine pretty much um, just in even just in my life outside of football especially the experiences I make in Nigeria or in Africa with Nigeria yeah Obviously, we've also touched about, obviously, you grew up in Germany, born in Germany. How, what's the youth system like in Germany? Like, obviously, everyone talks about the youth system in England, like it's, it's fast-paced, like it's like everything's all gung-ho. Obviously, is Germany more based on the technical ability? Is it more on the physical ability? Uh, it's hard for me to say because I think since I came out of the youth system, there has been a lot of change. So in, in Berlin, where I'm from, you had... Hertha BSC Berlin, they had just, I think when I was like, I played for them only for a year. Back then I was a striker and my first touch was like a shot on goal. That's why I <laughs> stayed a year <laughs> and I got passed through to the defense. <laughs> but um, um, they built something amazing there, I think. And you've seen there's loads of big talents actually, or great big names that came through Hertha BSC. So you have both Boateng's. Jerome and Kevin Prince. Uh, so we got some quick fire questions. Um, starting off with, uh, <clears throat> so what is your favourite ground that you've played in uh, and, and why? Ibrox. Because you have to be there to understand it. It's, I'm pretty sure last night Liverpool would have been impressed how the place was rocking. Uh, have you watched the game last night? So <laughs> I watched it on TV um, and after they scored the goal, you could literally just see the camera went, just went like this the whole time for like, I don't know, two, three minutes after they had scored the goal, you know, and that's just, I'm not sure if the, if the cameramen were prepared for this. It's just insane. Last season when we played against Leipzig and uh, got through to the final actually of the Europa League, there were videos, I think, on BT from their cameraman. He's, it was just shaking, and that 
it's just, I can't put it in words, it's just unbelievable. That Ibrox raw is so raw and so pure. It's just, wow. I've never had anything like that. I, until I played there, um, for me, it was probably uh, Dortmund with the yellow wall and everything because their atmosphere is crazy. But having played so many games sold out at Ibrox, that atmosphere, especially in the, on a European night, for me, that's just all the way up from what I've experienced. That even tops the World Cup. Um, oh, really? Yeah. Well, what about your worst ground? What, what, what's one ground you didn't like playing at? <clears throat> Let me think. Um, probably up in Scotland as well. Dundee United, probably. No, <laughs> not, not Dundee United. Dundee FC. That was horrible. Um, that was horrible. Definitely. I don't know if that even wants grass. Um, <laughs> oh, um, obviously, talk about strikers. Who's the toughest opponent you've come up against? Um, I've been, I've been asked this question a lot over the, over my career and I probably wouldn't go for a striker. I would go for a winger because I also had a spell where I played right fullback and I would say Ribéry. I always, I, to be fair, I always, I mean, we, lo yeah, we, we lost the games where I played directly against him, but I think I always done well. Over the 490, even though I was absolutely blowing, but Ribéry was just, wow. <laughs> so strong, so skillful and energetic, and he comes at you over and over and over again. He was he was really challenging for me as a right fullback. As a centre-half, in terms of striker, um, who made it, and again, not trying to sound big-time, but I just happened to have good games against them then, I guess. Aguero, uh, when we played against him in a friendly he just always plays on the offside line, which make, makes it really tough. Like I said, was someone who also was very intelligent in that sense. And then I love to play again. I loved it. Every game I had against Lewandowski because it was always great battles, great challenges, because he can be a bit dirty if he gets frustrated. So, um, and who else? Probably, yeah. Them. Obama was also always a good challenge, but yeah, there's been some, some not-so-bad strikers in there. <laughs> yeah, not bad at all. What about the players you've played with? Best players you've played with? Um, Claudio Pizarro was unreal at Werder Bremen back then. Um, Yves Bissouma is one who's at Tottenham now. Really, really enjoyed to play with him. Um, I always feel when I watch him in the Premier League that people don't even see everything that he's got to offer. He's so, 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 so special. It's like, wow. Um, let me think about a few defenders or, or midfielders here. No, I think that Pizarro probably is the one that always comes to my mind first because back then he was probably 33, 34. So my age now, and he was just so, so, so good still. Like cheeky in a way as a striker. And he would just, I don't know, it was just, um, can't, sorry, can't leave out Jermaine Defoe. Yeah, just based on, I mean, it was in his last few years when I played with him, but his quality, you could, it would always still come through, you know. Um, he scored one unbelievable goal last season against... I don't know if it was Motherwell at home, maybe. Tavernier played a cross from around the halfway line and the ball comes down and just as the ball hits the floor, he just slides it in on the floor. That goal was so beautiful. Um, yeah, but it's, these questions are always tough because I need, actually, I feel like I need some time to think because there's probably yeah. a Pizarro, Default, Bisuma, something, uh, someone who came to my mind straight. Uh, per Mertesacker, um, very long, very, very tall, <laughs> looks really stiff, but so intelligent. So, 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 such a, such a good defender. Uh, I don't think, I think he didn't make the career he, or didn't have the career he had for no reason. Yeah. Um, Obviously, Mert Saka, one of the best centre-backs from kind of that era. Obviously, yeah. I'm curious to know who your idols were growing up. Obviously, because Mert Saka is a centre-back as well. Was he someone that you looked up to or was there one in particular? 
<laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> I didn't. Can't lie. Um, I always liked um, PK. Um, but before that, probably Nesta and Maldini were like defenders that stood out to me. Um, Baresi, another Italian, really, really good. But the players I actually look up to as idols that had as idols were strikers. Interesting, interestingly enough. So my all-time favorite player is uh, Thierry Henry. He, for me, is just I'm not saying he's the best player of all time or anything, but for me, he's just my favorite. The way he combined style and determination, you know, this bit of arrogance he always had, it was in the elegance. Ah, oh, King Titi is unbelievable. And Ronaldinho. Wow. Yeah. yeah. What a player. Yeah, it's special player. Obviously got two more, two quick ones. Well, my first one, um, would you rather keep a clean sheet or score the winner? Obviously, you're, you're a former striker, so <laughs> I suppose it's, it's a bit of a weird question for you. Clean, clean sheet uh, and winning the game? Yeah, I'll take the clean sheet then. Yeah. Well, that's scoring the winner. If it was clean sheet or score the winner? Well, if we still have a clean sheet and I score the winner, like I, I had the 1 0 or whatever, that's fine. Then I have both. So, <laughs> and you can't, uh, have, you can't have everything in life so I'll go for the clean sheet as a defender <laughs> that's also something I took from Rangers from, from from especially that first season there it's just something that wasn't still just being hungry and like obsessed with clean sheets final one for me if you're the gaffer who's your current QPR five side team oh you sticking yourself in there have to <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, including a goalie, yeah, yeah, yeah. So then that's Senny, myself. Um, I put in there Tyler, Illy, and Chrissy, and uh, yeah, and Jake Clark Sorter. Solid, solid. Yeah. Good team, that. One quick question to end on, and it's just something that I've, I've been thinking while I've, while I've been listening to you. Um, with Mickey Beer, what type of manager, is he a, a sort of half-time, is he a, is he a ranter or is he calm, collected? I mean, I know it's early days and we've done pretty well at the moment, but, you know, is he, what is he like when things aren't going right, I guess is the question. That's one thing that always stood out to me at Rangers already, because we did have times, which is funny because we were in a good place. We had like that invincible season, but we would still have moments where we were just maybe in the, in the Europa League or in a game where we did not play as convincing or as, as dominant as we wanted to be. And there were some warning signs. So we would still have moments where um, the gaffer as in Steven Gerrard and Gary McAllister, so we would all get a bit heated, a bit emotional. And Mick actually was always the one who kept everybody at bay. He was like, listen, boys, or everybody, there's no need to lose our head here. We're in a great place. So yes, it feels like we've messed up, blah, blah, blah. But listen, we're still unbeaten. We are still, I don't know, six points clear. Everybody just needs to calm down for a second and then look that we're in, in a, that we're still in a great place. And I think he he always done an amazing job at that. I think he has, he's not a renter, definitely not, but he knows when he has to go into people. I think he said that after the Sheffield United match that at halftime he had a bit of a goal at everyone, um, but this is not the norm for him. Uh, I don't think he's a firm believer in that. He knows that sometimes it might be necessary and that he's not shy to do so, but he's always very, very level-headed and clear with his thoughts you know even if things get a bit like sticky and hectic he, he you always you can always tell that he's trying to to stay level-headed and come up with a solution rather than just getting all emotional and uh yeah maybe irrational even that's not him 
Lad, Leon, we'll let you go, mate. We'll let you get back to the Pitney TV up. Um, thanks for <laughs> thanks for joining us, mate. And uh, good luck for the rest of the season. And uh, like, keep up the good work, mate. Thank you. Great start. Yeah. Cheers for coming on, man. Thank you. Cheers, Leon. Cheers, mate. Cheers, Leon. All right. <laughs> well, he's Leon's gone. Top lad. Would you? He's um. I know we've mentioned, talked, spoke about him on the last pod, but he, he looks a man mounted, doesn't he? He looks like a big difference to us in um, uh, what we were missing last season at times at centre back. Someone yeah. just that commanding experience, just level headed, you know, just, and it's going to be really interesting when everyone's fit who, who gets the nod, even free at the back. I couldn't tell you who would get the nod. I don't know what you think, Jack. Yeah, no, I think he's made a big difference when he played. Like once he's now, he's kind of getting up to speed. Is it, he looks just like well, isn't it the cliche, isn't it? Like a Rolls Royce. He just looks really good for this level and um, very assured. There was a bit that sticks out for me with him. It was the Sheffield United, the win at Sheffield United. And after we scored, and all the, it's that great footage of the celebration. He is just there, geeing everyone up. And I think he was probably too, too modest to admit it, but I feel like he's a big presence in the dressing room already. Yeah, yeah, and like I said, it would be interesting to see. He could play right back, Bill said today. He might even play him right back in his in his in his um pretty much interview. So um be interesting because Laird is still carrying a bit of a knock. He's just coming back. He might not risk him. So he was saying he, he could play um Leon there. So that and he, and he mentioned that in the interview, didn't he? That he played there um, yeah. against against Rubri probably a few years ago. But um <laughs> yeah, we'll see that. Um, Reading then, what a win, lads, eh, Holly? Yeah. Yeah, I thought we came out and we looked superb very quickly and then just seemed to dip a little bit. I thought, I'll say it now, I thought that was arguably one of the worst refereeing decisions that I have seen at this club in a very long time. How on earth that wasn't a penalty is 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 just beyond me. I think um, he saw it, mate. I don't think it was his fact. I think if he had saw it, he would have given it. But I think that if you see it in slow, but the player sort of runs in, in yeah. the way and... But then yes, which player it was? Jeff, Jeff Hendricks in the way. Yeah. And oh, the Lino as well. Yeah. What's the Lino playing at? Yeah, I think the Lino couldn't see it either. I know, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. It was definitely a penalty. But um... I think I think it just showed that, you know, he talked about earlier on the mentality. Um, Leon, you know, he's saying about the mentality. I think we've shown that so much this season. You know, to go behind to a you know, questionable penalty, uh, you know, and we should have had a penalty, it's going to put, put the lads on tilt mode. Um and I thought I think we, we we deserved it in the end. I thought we we played really well. I thought Dykesy had a great game. About time. Um, I just think it was a really good win. It showed that once again we've got the mentality, and I, I just can't see us losing to Luton now. I think the more we play, the more this team wins, the more I love watching them. And it, it's not just that. The, the the football it's the mentality it's the it's the look on the players faces it's the characters it's just oh it's I'm loving it I'm loving it what would you reckon mate <clears throat> no I, I agree with everything there that Ollie's saying I just like we need to give a special mention obviously to Ozzy and to Lyndon like they're players who sometimes get the bit of a brunt of the stick from the fan base we've obviously criticized them both previously but what a ball in from Aussie. And for a striker who hasn't scored in however many games, that diving header was like fantastic. And then the confidence to just slam the penalty home as well. Like, I think, like, like what he's saying, like, we are showing signs that we have this real tough mentality and we're going to like take a knockback, but it's not going to affect us. I, don't, I can't see us getting turned over anytime soon, like losing four or five nil. I don't think the players. Don't say that, Pete. I know, but I don't think I don't think Mick Beard would let it happen. I think he's getting the players drilled to work as a unit. Like you see him at the end, like the video of like Ilya's chair, like hitting the ground and like just absolutely exhausted from like at the final whistle. Like that's coming across from all the players. There's a few stats that like stood out from that win. Obviously, the first time we won three games in a week since 20, 2018 in October under Steve McLaren with his team of men. Um, it was the first time we came back to win a game since Kenilworth Road, Luton, earlier this year. So that kind of links nicely into the upcoming game. Obviously, Dykes, first player to score twice on his birthday. It's Carl Connolly versus Northampton in February 2002. So, he was decent, Carl Connolly. Yeah, I know. He was winger, wasn't he? Uh, yeah. In a bit. 
obviously, what Ollie touched on, great to see Dykes sort of back to his best. Loves playing against Reading, scored more QPR goals against Reading um, than any other team so far, five goals. And obviously, Mick Bill, just a bit on him, really. We've only lost three of his first 14 games, which is the lowest by a manager in his first 14 games since Jim McGilton, who also lost three games. But if that, if that was ever an indicator to not get carried away just yet, McGilton yeah. lasted nine more games <laughs> after that. So I don't see that happening with Bill, um, to tell, to be honest. But I think, you know, everyone, let's keep our feet on the ground, even though it is really exciting. And, you know, team spirit is great. I've got an agenda here, right? And on it, I've got exactly, I put capital letters, feet on the ground, mate. How weird's that? But uh, my, my example was just because there's so much has happened, like Jim Jilton, we had McLaren, do you remember when we thought that we were going to take over the world with McLaren? Um, Warburton last season. I remember a stage with Decadio, Paolo Decadio. I remember we had like a, a good... Luigi. Luigi, Luigi Decadio. We, had, we were one, <laughs> I think we were unbeaten for, for like the first like two or three months of the season. I thought we were going to... Yeah, that didn't turn out well. So... um but I can't speak highly enough of Mick Bill. I really can't. I was thinking about it earlier. I'm thinking the way he talks, communicates to the fans. It feels like he, he gets it. And, and, and pre and post match interviews are always really interesting. And, and he gives, he, he, you know, he kind of says what we're all thinking, which is nice rather than just saying we tried our hardest, we did our best. It just didn't, it didn't fall for us. That kind of stuff that you know managers sometimes say. Um, and he's we've had no money. We haven't spent any money. Which is mad. Did you think about it? We, you know, he's missing his best player for the first few games of the season. There's so many things that have gone against him. His best, you know, some of his players he's bought. I think we started the season with half more than half of them injured of the players we bought. Yeah, yeah the dance tied behind his back a bit, didn't he? Like those first few weeks, and you know, he he threw all. You know, that Middlesbrough was a gamble that win, but I think it was it was great management in the end, in my opinion, because it just it took the pressure off him because you know a manager of no previous experience at you know is it the number one not winning his first five or six games yeah it gets a bit tense so I thought that was a good move and that was a good sign early days but he has got a headache this week with this subs bench because he's got Sinclair Armstrong back he's got Taylor Richards back he's got Amos buzzing around Tim's looking good how'd you pick a bench like all centre backs yeah got KK's just come on I mean if he does decide to go with with Ethan Laird then what does he do if Leon can play there and, you, you know, Albert miss out? But he likes playing two defenders, two midfielders, two attackers on the bench, doesn't he? Um, mm. So, it, yeah, you're right. It's difficult I, for him, isn't it? I think I just want to touch on the sub situation. I think this is where he doesn't get as much credit as he deserves, Mick, because I think he's last two or three games, you know, about 70 minutes in, he, he's made it, not even 70, sometimes 60 He's bought on maybe two or three subs, and you're thinking, you know, against um, Reading, bringing on yeah. a, two defensive plays, and you're thinking, we go, we go for a draw here, and we've gone on the one. That's two or three times he's done that. See, he's made complete formation change, switched it up, and we've gone on the one. That's With Sheffield United as well, wasn't it? I yeah. thought the same for both. I thought, oh god, yeah. Well, I mean, these are decisions that make or break you, don't they? And, and, yeah. and a lot of the time, Warburton got it wrong, didn't he? I was yeah. a lot of the time, especially towards the end. Um, yeah, it's a great point. The what Ray took field off against Reading. Um yeah. and then but then moving Tim into his more, I think apparently more natural position as the the base, it was a masterstroke. He won us the game, won us the penalty, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. Really, as you say, Ollie, great. He's making some really smart in-game decisions. And I think that was as much as Warburton has laid the foundation for where we are now, you know, did a good job. That was a I, I remember a criticism of his tenure, you know, his in-game subs. Feels like he's a number two, but he's as much as a number. He's had as much experience as a number two as you could probably get. I.e., that it feels like he was already the manager at Rangers last in Villa, but he wasn't at, just by name that he wasn't. If you speak to fans, and even Gerard himself has said that you know, you know, he's losing someone there. Who, who, who was it? Was it the goalie Martinez at Villa said they've lost their manager, <laughs> and they hadn't. He was, you know, but I think that's how he was thought of within the players. Dunk, what do you think, mate? Yeah, I, I think obviously they've said, haven't they? Like you said, the Martinez interview said that. And I think if you look at like the contrasting seasons, we're flying, Villa are struggling. So it shows you like how much of an impact McBeal had for them and is having for us. And I feel like he's stepping up as a manager. I feel like, like obviously Leon said, like his man management is there. He's getting better at it, obviously, the more he does it. He's had to change his role slightly. And he's getting his in-game decisions right at the minute. Everything seems to be falling into place. I just hope 
that no other clubs are watching him at the minute to see how well we're actually doing. The worry, isn't it? The rate I thought it earlier, Rangers losing 7-1 yesterday. If you read their comments underneath the 7-1, there's a big picture of Mick Beale saying, go yeah. and get him at all costs and about a thousand likes. So the fans obviously want him. So that's going to be a bit of a challenge. We've got to hope that he feels he's started something here that hopefully he'll want to, he'll want to stay. Big Tim, Dunk, my man, I told you he'd come, I told you there's something in him, mate. Oh, I've not disagreed that there's not a player there. I'm not getting carried away as much as half the fan base is that he was suddenly become like this prime freaking Zidane in our central midfield there. Like, he had a good game, but at the same time, he was rash for the penalty, what he gave away. And there was a few, like, immature moments conceding the free kick late on that could have been costly. And I just feel like there's, there's bits to his game he still needs to improve. I'm not getting carried away on the hype train just yet. That's all I'm saying. But he had a very good game. I'm on the train. I'm driving the train. Any Lads, anyone else on it? Or are you, are you still at the platform? Oh, I put a tweet out making out like he was the next Yaya Torre, <laughs> next to Dan. Um, but that's because I thought, take away that penalty, I thought he was exceptional against Reading. I, honestly, I thought... I will, I will go as far as saying that I did actually say several times that I thought he was quite lazy. Um, and I don't think I was wrong, but he stepped up in that game, and I thought he really showed his quality. He showed what he's about. We have to remember he's a young lad. Was nineteen? You know, he's 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 a young lad, and he's doing doing that. In the, no, he won us that game in the end, really, didn't he? Because he won that penalty. He's the one that drived, drived, drove forward, and and got into space and got the penalty. So I think it's a great performance, and. I just hope it wasn't a one-off and it is going to continue because if it does, why not? Why can't we keep going forward? Well, I think I'm in between you guys. I'm I'm not quite on the train yet, but I am printing my tickets out of the machine just before <laughs> I go on the okay. But I think there is a really good player there with limitless, you know, you know, potential. I think he's very raw. I think he's still acclimatizing to the speed of the championship. I think Millwall away at times, he got caught out a few bit, you know, here and there. And as Duncan said, it was maybe a bit rash for the penalty at Reading, but I think he was played a poor ball into him. Yeah. And I, I think it was put under pressure unnecessarily from the pass. Um, but no, I, I think we're lucky to have him. It's a shame he's not ours. Um, obviously, you don't want him to block the pathway of any of our players for, for a too long a period, but I think he's a fantastic asset to the squad. And yeah, he looks a Premier League player in waiting. Quickly, I'll just want to touch on the um, the three pm blackout games that are pop, that the is apparently going and being sold, and, and we'll be able to stream the three o'clock Saturday games. What are people's views on that? I can sort of see pros and cons. I quite like if I can't go to a game to be able to watch it on a three o'clock. I'm you know I'm forever messaging Ollie to try and find me some a stream or something to watch <laughs> it. So that kind of but I get the element that maybe those people that are borderline going or not going will decide not to go because they could just watch it. You know, especially a club like QPR where fans come from all over the country, really, don't they? There's, you know, that the fan base is widespread, isn't it? It's not like we're all in one town or city all going and it's 10 minutes down the road. Um, so I get that element as well. Doug, what do you think, mate? Um, I think you kind of hit like the nail on the head there. Like it, it is difficult because we obviously... We don't, we obviously don't live quite like in West London. We have to travel to the game a bit and I can't always get to the, every game. So if I can watch it at home, because I can't get to a game, I'm more than happy to watch it. I, I don't necessarily think it's going to affect attendances that badly if it does happen, because I feel like fans will still go anyway, because you can't beat live football. Like there's so many like games that have been on Sky. I've still gone to. I could have sat at home and watched it, but I've gone to the game because I... I get that buzz. You don't get the same buzz when you're watching it at home. And I think fans will still go for that reason. With the club, I think it depends on how much we get in income, isn't it, from the broadcast that we send to Netflix, Amazon, whoever they'll sell the rights to. Because if you're getting a, you know, that, if you're getting a big chunk of money, but I guess everybody's getting that chunk of money, so you're not getting an advantage. I guess if you're going to use it to a benefit, i.e. make ticket prices cheaper, then I can sort of see that. But... Um, I don't know. I'm sort of on the fence with it, really. I I don't think it will discourage going to the games. Um, I think it could 
potentially be quite a good idea for those who that can't necessarily afford to go to games because you know if you want to go to the away game it is expensive you know get on a train is is expensive i think it could be good for that you know if you in a situation where you couldn't afford the subscription you're buzzing because there's going to be more free streams available now um illegal ones but don't matter to me i don't, I don't it doesn't make a difference to me um you know if i go to a game i'm not going because it's you know, it's not on TV. I'm going because I want to experience the football. There's no feeling like it. Watching it on Sky in, in a pub won't make a difference to me. I just want to get to the game. Um, I think it's positive, but again, you know, there are negatives to it as well. And it'll probably be West Brom on there all the time anyway. So, modern, I guess it's the modern world a little bit, isn't it? As well, sort of, yeah. sort of things change. Um, just quickly, I, I saw the club are doing a, um, a Legends. Um, where they're looking to find out that you've got to pick your top five legends of the club and they're looking to, um, is it name, name um, is it the training ground or is it the name in bits and bobs of the stadium? Is, is, is that right, Jack? I think to do the Loftus Road end. I yeah. think including Stan Bowles, you've got to name in order five players, you know, that you consider legends of the club. And I think there's going to be some form of tribute in Stan. Yeah. Um, Who'd you go for, Jack? Oh, well, if I remember rightly, I try to go for mostly people that I've either seen or, you know, seen yeah. a lot of the job. And I mean, Alan McDonald was my number one. Yeah. Um, I think I put uh, Jerry Francis number two, just for the, the pl- England captain as a player, but then also the management stints, the Premier League era. Um, I think I put um, Mike Keane, the captain from the 60s. I mean, he had like, he's got holds the record for most consecutive appearances, which I always think is a great stat. Um, it was like in the hundreds, it was crazy. And um, I put Kevin Gallen as he was one of my like, heroes growing up. And I put Rodney Marsh, obviously, cup final goals and, you know, just unbelievable goal scoring record. I, you know, part of me is like, what about the all time top goal scorers? You know, you, but they kind of predate when I, you know, my heritage with the club I guess but that's not to say they sh- they still should be honoured and I think like managers as well like your Alex Stocks should be noted as well so yeah I think there's there's more work to do on that so but if it's just players I try to keep it within ones I'm more familiar with What is a legend though? I mean well how do you it all defines on what because for example you could go back and go I've not seen them play but I know that they were that good and I know they did this for the club or is it players that you have seen and you know, and do you know what I mean? Like it's it's a bit different to make a top five. I added um, Les Ferdinand and Ray Wilkins in mine, um, uh, and Kevin Gallen I had, but uh, you know, very recent. But uh, that's what I remember. You know, um, so a lot of people have put a Delta Rapt in. I'd imagine as well, wouldn't they? I don't know if anyone on here has. I think it goes with like the recency bias, doesn't it? So fans of a generation, you have certain players who stick out in. Like, especially like when you're growing up. So, for like me, when I was first getting into football, Les Ferdinand was my favourite player. So, I put him in. Like, like there's play, like people, fans older than us and younger than us that didn't, like people said, you haven't seen them live, you haven't watched them. Like, we know about obviously Stan Bowles, Rodney Marsh, how much they did for the club as players. But it's all from like videos, YouTube videos. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's hard to fully feel it. So, mm-hmm. I think that's the problem is that with the fan base is how do you define a legend? It's how whatever you feel is a legend from your era, I suppose. Yeah, it's a bit of connection, isn't it, as you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah I was going to say, I think it, I think the legend to, you know, a 50-year-old fan is a very different type of legend to a 15-year-old fan. Um, for me, Adele Tarapt is part of that because of what he did that season. Um, but, you know, I think you've got to look at, like, Sir Clint Hill in there as well, put his everything on his on the line for QPR. Ooh, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I'm a bit of a legend. Um, you know, I, I'm trying to go like my lifetime. You know, I don't, as much as I, you know, think about the Jerry Francis, the the players like this, Stan Bowles, I don't remember him. I, I don't think I was alive. I was alive. Um, so, you know, I'm thinking you're Clint Hills, you're Richard Keogh's. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, just, just a bit of a mixture of recent and, and 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 maybe the older ones. You know, I'd like to see you know some appreciation for for people like I don't know, yeah, just recenter, more recent. To me, a, to me, a legend is someone that 
you'll talk about massively that season and you'll be saying the same thing about him in 10 years' time. And the Delta app will be talked about in 30 years' time as one of the best players we've had. So, yeah, I, yeah it's a tough one. Yeah. What about, so Luton there, we've got Luton, early kickoff on the red button, I saw. So anyone listening or anyone, we are on telly um, again. Um, what are we thinking, Jack? I think we'll see, I think we'll see three at the back. I think it could three at the back could come out, I've got a feeling. Well, Luton play three at the back. Um, and we've tend to do, we've done quite well when we've not matched up and we've kind of stuck to our guns a little bit. So maybe we find the holes in those systems. But with the centre-backs, we've got all fit now. Maybe he might do it. Um, at some point during the game, like we've seen in recent recent away games. I mean, Nathan Jones, Luton manager, lost more league games against QPR than any other team in his career. So I'd love to dig that one out for Twitter again, if we can do, get a result over him, because he's not likeable, but, but polite. I, I can't wait for him to have a meltdown if we win. Oh, yeah, don't dare celebrate a goal. You oh, know, no. Loud, he will, though. <laughs> he will. Yeah, and that's the hypocritical thing. I mean, away from home, no sides won more away points than us this season. We're going to level with a game uh, fewer, but, like, it's a fantastic start on the road for QPR. Um, Dickey could be making his 100th appearance for QPR in this game, which is, you know, quite a qu- he's reached that quite quickly, you know, two and a half seasons or so. Um just a few to watch out for on the Luton side. James Bree, most create, he's created the most chances in the championship this season. Sort of plays right side of centre half or can play right wing back. Um, Ex Villa, Barnsley guy. Yeah. Um, it's a good crosser of the ball. So there's something to watch out for. But uh, no, I, I feel like it's going to be a real blood and thunder game. But I think we've handled some of those quite well. Just look at the Reading game. So I'm hoping for a win with that one. I think we can Ollie, do that. Ollie, what are you thinking? What are you going for? Prediction wise. <clears throat> um, Loons scare me um, I know we do really well against them normally but it just screams you know classic QPR to go and on this great run then lose to the one team we normally beat um, <laughs> but Luton in terms of home form are 20th in the league you know they've got seven points from uh, you know, oh look at Ollie he's done his own work look. concerning <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. <laughs> it, but for me, that's concerning. So I'm like, oh, it's, they're, they're going to win now. But no, I think I, I think we can win it. I think we need to go out heavy straight away because Luton, they're a side that will try and come at us straight away um, quickly. I think we need to combat that. And um, yeah, no, I think web, however we play, we just need to go straight for it from the off. Um, I despise Nathan Jones so I honestly hope there are pools of tears of his at the end of the game I'm going 2-0 QPR what about you mate well after the the lovely stats from Ollie and Jack there that Luton what 20th and home form and we're joint first on away form that just now makes me like fear with dread that we're just going to absolutely blow this and um I don't know. I think it's going to be a, a tight game. It's going to be cagey. I think it's going to be a bit like the Reading game. Um, possibly a bit like the Bristol City game. Could be a game of two halves. I feel like we're going to... We've. I don't. I haven't seen us consistently for a 90-minute game yet under Bill. I don't feel we've dominated a game. I feel we've dominated halves or percentages of games, but not a complete game. So if we can do that, and we can come out of the, the traps like quickly, I feel... I feel we could get the win. I'm going to go for a little 2 1. I feel like it's going to be tight again, but I feel we're going to get the win 2 1. I'm going to go 1 0. I don't know why. I'll take 1 0 as well. <laughs> two, but after tomorrow, we've got like we've got like f- five out of seven at home. Yeah. So, like, if we get through tomorrow, get through Saturday with a good result, I'll take a draw. Um, and then you, you're going into Wigan and Cardiff, winnable games at home. I'm still in a really good position. But all right, lads, well, I'll let you get on. Thanks for coming on. Cheers, and, guys. Um, yeah, let's let's see if we can get a good result Saturday. Yeah. You are. You, you are. are. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. 
Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.